If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Even though we're not going to be occupying the same space, it's obviously much easier to be able to, you know, see where everybody is and be able to look at that. So Mike and the video staff did a great job of really putting in, you know, these these webcams where, you know, I can actually see everyone. I have two monitors or getting a second one put in now when we get to the full roster. You know, where I'll be able to see everyone, see every, see everyone in the room. You know, they can see me. So, you know, that's something that I would, I would chalk up to that learning experience of, you know, hey, listen, what, what's comfortable, what's uncomfortable, what do you think, you know, can really help us? And, you know, we were starting on that uh, very early in, in the process, knowing that it was probably going to carry on to the season. Uh, Doug Marone talking to the media today. By the way, we'll get the rookies tomorrow. C.J. Henderson, Caleb on Chase on. We will hear from them. Gardner Mitchell next week. Marone is scheduled to talk a couple times a week and always good with the media. Doug Marone has been uh, fantastic uh, in his time here in terms of relationship with the Jacksonville media. It's it's a great I, – I think it's almost like more of a story or it should be more of a story at times how his persona here – Versus the per- persona that when he was hired, we we had heard about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a, it, it, the image of Doug Marone coming from Buffalo and, and other places was was not what we've received. Yeah, uh, which and, and in a good way. Um, so was that erroneous? Had he, did he change? Uh, I think you give him a lot of credit for uh, his what he's been able to do up front with with the media and, and fans and. He's usually an open book on, on a lot of different things, not afraid to, to talk about anything. He can ask him anything. He understands uh, the position of the media and the fan interest, and especially this year, given uh, what's going on. So uh, he's done a pretty good job with it, in my opinion. Now he's going to go win more football games, uh, no doubt about it. This is a guy that knows all about winning games. It's part of the job, and uh, he's done a heck of a job of it in the ECHL. We're going to talk some hockey on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane, and the Jacksonville Iceman head coach, Jason Christie. What's happening, man? Hey, guys. How you been? I've been fantastic. Great, coach. Austin's been great. Uh, how are you doing? Family good? You know, our family's doing well. Yeah, we're just trying to get through this year. But, you know, when uh, obviously you're with the baseball there, Brent, I was watching Austin. He controlled that that room pretty well by himself in there. (laughs) (laughs) I said it. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes we got to, I got to let him breathe a little bit, you know? Yeah. I got to get out of here. He's intimidated. Turn me loose, Brent. Turn me loose, man. Hey, Mike, like most people, he's intimidated by me, coach. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's all, you know, it was good afternoons being able to just sit there and listen. And you guys do a heck of a job. And that's awesome for sure. Thank you. Thanks, uh, coach. I, I, hopefully you did a good job teaching school. Last time we talked to you, that's what you were doing <laughs> with your yeah. kids. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they both they both passed. So thank, thank, God, thank God for Google. <laughs> that's what every kid says and now adult probably says oh, yeah. uh along the way jason christie with us uh jacksonville iceman head coach we're not going to keep you too long I'm, i i i'll mess this whole thing up 
I was planning on today, but we had really discussed with Alex, uh, Alex Reed over there with the Iceman, tomorrow. So I appreciate yeah. you coming on today. We're going to talk a little NHL, uh, and, and who better to do sure. it with uh, than you. So appreciate you, but we won't keep you long. Give us a quick update on the Iceman. You guys are, are making some moves and, and all full steam ahead for uh, later in this fall. And then, of course, the All-Star game will be here right here in Jacksonville in January. Yeah, you know, obviously right now the way things are going, we're signing guys. You know, we got a few guys signed. There's some guys that haven't been announced yet. We're just kind of waiting on them. But, uh, you know, we're full steam ahead here as far as getting players in and stuff. And I know Andy and Bob are doing a heck of a job here just keeping us up to date on obviously our league and, you know, uh, our start time and stuff like that. And, you know, they got obviously phone calls and that later on next week, I think, or week after. But, you know, we just got to be prepared, be ready. You know, I, I think, you know, turning to the to the NHL, how awesome that is to watch hockey. I, I, it's phenomenal. Yesterday I watched 11 hours of it, so it was great. Wow. Well, <laughs> that's hey, awesome. that's, that's a great segue because I was reading up on what's going on in the bubbles up in Canada and, and how they're going to pull this off and the 24 teams and the play, kind of qualifying rounds and even the top four teams in each conference are going to play each other uh, and, and determine new seeding. Uh, it's really interesting. And how hard is it? to jump right back into the season and begin with your playoffs, Coach. I mean, that's the most intense time of the year. It's going to be tough for these guys. Well, no question. And that's the biggest thing, I, I think, being able to come in. You know what? The number one thing, though, they had, what, 4,900 or something around there, tests, and they there was they were all positive. So that was not in a bad way, positive in a good way, where nobody had, uh, obviously, uh, tested, you know, bad for the corona. But, you know, just that alone, I, I think, kind of relieves a lot. But then you get into the games and to be able to have one exhibition game. Uh, but, you know, I, I think hockey, you know, I'm obviously biased, but, you know, it's probably one of the, the the meanest sports and the hardest sports to play. And, you know, they're jumping right. That's the best thing for the fans, though. Like, I, I know it's tough for the players and, and obviously the coaches and that, but, you know, you want to gain that, that interest for the the people watching, and I, I think they're going to see it right off the hop. You know, it's best of five to start, mm-hmm. and it's starting on Saturday here, and, and it's going to be great. It, it's intense, and it's going to be the best thing about it. It's quick, it's fast, and uh, it's going to be a big, you know, good time to watch. Well, Coach, and speaking about being a good time to watch and the entertainment value, obviously the NBA playoffs are starting up too. And when we talk about the NBA playoffs, obviously the Milwaukee Bucks are favored. You have the Lakers being favored. Like, you have a pretty good idea of the teams that you're probably going to see in the championship. In terms of the NHL, man, and especially last year, St. Louis Blues kind of proved it a little bit, where necessarily the, the, the most talented team doesn't always go to the final. You know, we saw Tampa Bay go out early last year. A St. Louis Blues team who didn't have a lot of household names but played a great style of hockey, had great goaltending at the end they won the championship so with that being said do you think this year we're going to see more of like you know those talented teams make a run or is this really up for anybody's grab right now you know what i think that's a great question but i think the best the best thing about right now is so many teams had like six guys out you know honestly like there was at least eight to ten teams that had you know four to six guys that you know top end players that were hurt well now they're all healthy and now they're back in the lineup so you know, I mean, even St. Louis had Tarasenko out, you know, and, and the big defenseman there, Peranka there. But anyways, I probably butchered his name, but the, the best <laughs> thing about what the best thing about what we're going to see is, you know, every team's going to be going in, and now it's anybody's ball game. And, you know, as we know, any kind of championship run or, or playoff run, whoever's got the ball rolling, and it's all about bounces and 
you know, creating those bounces is going to have the best opportunity. And you said last year was St. Louis, last place by January, and then they ended up winning the Stanley Cup. But they got on that roll, and the biggest thing is their goaltender got hot. You know what I mean? I think last night watching the game, when I watched Winnipeg there, it was, it was pretty late. But, you know, with, with Winnipeg playing, Hellebuck just made some unbelievable saves. And, you know, he's playing well right now. So it's going to come down to the hot goaltender for sure. Coach, obviously this is a different year, right? I mean, guys have been – laid off for a while now they're they're entering the bubble getting ready to start up this playoff run here in your opinion like does this kind of situation does it favor more like the young teams like a colorado uh possibly like a carolina hurricanes team or does it favor like the seasoned veterans who've been there before kind of like a bruins team or a caps team here you know what it's it's going to be yeah you said the caps i was talking about that today guys uh you know you got to have that swag you know and, and that's something that you know, teams go out there and they play really well, but they just can't get it. Where you know, I, I watched Capitals yesterday, and you know, it's kind of like they're going through the motions. They just they had everything. They have that swag that carries them into wins, and it, that's a huge thing too. When you know you're down a goal or two goals, and hey, boys, we're okay here. You know, on the flip side of that, when you just got a, an energized team that has never been there before, they're thinking, oh, we got to get it, we got to get it, and then next thing you know, you're on the outside looking in. So, you know, I, I think the biggest thing here is is just looking at you know, uh, like Capitals, you know, obviously the Jets here and stuff. But, you know, for us, just so you guys know, like, you know, we have three guys. We've been here three years now. We have three players that are on uh, teams' uh, roster for the playoffs in the bubbles right now. So, obviously, for us as an organization, that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask you about that. Jason Christie with us, Jacksonville Iceman head coach. Uh, Talk a little NHL playoffs as well. And uh, what kind of pride is involved in that uh, for the organization here in Jacksonville for you as a head coach? Uh, I'm talking about butchering names. Uh, Let's see if I – Jansen Harkins, goaltender Mikel Burden, who was outstanding here when he was here. Everybody thought he would make it to the NHL at some time. They're playing on Winnipeg's playoff roster. And uh, Michael McNiven uh, on the Montreal Canadiens. Did I get the names almost right? <laughs> yeah, and... you, yeah, you got you got them all right. That's for sure. There and you go, Brent. The one guy, who, the one guy who's on the outside is uh, Cole Sherwood with the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. So he he didn't make the bubble, but he's there. If something happens, he, okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll end up there. But so that could be four guys. But you know, with, with those guys, you know, what I mean, for us, we're down here to develop players, right? And you only have very few that really get that great opportunity in the NHL, and they're going to battle like crazy just to obviously make the higher higher leagues and go as far as they can. So, you know, when we can go into these teams that are in the bubble and have, you know, three, potentially four, that's huge for our organization. Absolutely. Jason Christie with us. I know you got to run. Uh, one more question for you. Here's why I'm excited. Yep. I'm excited about these next few weeks. Because of the 24 teams, because of the playoff hockey, and we know playoff hockey is just – Listen, it's flat. For you, it's not, but for the casual, it's better than regular season yeah. hockey. It just is. And so right. they're also adding 30 or 12 more cameras to the broadcasts. And they're also kind of like what you did yesterday, watch 11 hours of it. There's going to be 15 hours of hockey, like nonstop, the way they've set these schedules. We need stuff. We want stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, we're done mowing the lawn, you know? I mean, yeah. how, how important is this for the NHL? How much could they, they win over some more fans, the casual fans, the young fan, based on how they present it with 32 cameras instead of 20, and also just the amount of hockey that you can view? Well, I, I think you just said it right there, though, Brent. Like, just the, the amount of hockey. But the, 
the character of it right into the playoff style. Like that's hey, that's you know, winner go uh, winner go go home. You know what I mean? Like that's something where they have that mentality where they're going to play hard each and every game. There's not not going to be those nights off. So it's going to be hard fought. That's for sure. And you know, for for me watching it, you know, I got two TVs set up. I'm ready to go. You know, I won't catch East and West. You know, that's. You know that that's the hardest thing for me right now is those ten thirty games out my hometown in Edmonton. There, you know, that, I struggle a little bit getting that late. <laughs> Coach, I got to ask you real quick before we uh, have you go here. So the NFL, uh, the, the NHL draft lottery. Excuse me. I watched a man. I got suckered in an hour. I waited for fifty minutes. It was like American Idol. The last ten minutes, they finally reveal who was going to be taking the draft lottery. Obviously, it was an interesting situation where a playoff team is going to have the number one pick, and obviously that's going to be Lafreniere, who's obviously like maybe the next Sidney Crosby. We'll see. But with that being said, does that kind of turn NHL fans off a little bit, the fact that a playoff team now is going to have probably one of the best overall number one picks in the draft of the past maybe five or maybe ten years now? You know what? I think it would have if uh, if this would have been dragged out, if they wouldn't have played. You know what I mean? But now I think it just adds another element to that draft. You know what I mean? Like what team is going to – and the the thing about this is Winnipeg has that if, – if they can't get by Calgary, they're pretty much automatic in for that first. I, I'm not for sure saying that, but, yeah. you know, I think they got that good chance because they're in that 12th spot, I, I'm pretty sure. So – you know, that'd be huge for the city of Winnipeg and that. But at the end of the day, it just adds that other element, that that more excitement. You know, well, who's going to be that team now? Now they have another date to add on their calendar to, you know, for the fans to get excited for. All right, got to roll. Thanks for joining us, Jason Christie, uh, Jacksonville Iceman. We look forward to a season here in the fall, man. Be well. I appreciate it, guys. You bet. Uh, Jason Christie, Jacksonville Iceman. Uh, head coach uh, talking some hockey with us and yeah. the uh, playoff. I'm telling you, I was reading up about it today, and I I, I got excited. I want to go back to what I said uh, to Coach Christie there, and that is usually hockey is presented with 20 cameras, mm. they say. That's what, that, uh, what I was reading said. Uh, they're going to have 32 cameras, and because of the restrictions when there are fans in the buildings, well – now you don't have that. So yeah. now you can put cameras in places that you normally wouldn't be able to. So I'm not saying this will be the new wave unless they reconstruct arenas and, and they love one of these cameras or something like that. But mm-hmm. this will be presented in a different way. Like yeah. how cool is that to potentially to see angles and, and things that we don't normally see hockey presented in, in, a, in a different way. And some people that were talking about it uh, that I was reading, like it's not the greatest viewer sport. You want to be there, right? How many sure. people say, hey, hockey's way better if you watch it in person? Without a doubt. No doubt. Yep. A lot of things are. But it's not the best TV-friendly sport because sometimes it's hard to follow that puck. It's just so fast-paced. Yeah. yeah. So I I want to see that. I'm interested in seeing that. Mm-hmm. Does that capture people like me? Because I'm in the TV business. But I'm just saying from a viewing standpoint, we're like, hey, that's pretty cool, man. This is cool. This showcases something that I didn't really notice before about hockey. So it's going to be interesting from a new visual aspect and also an audible aspect as well. Because keep in mind, we talked about the NBA playoffs starting back up, what it's going to sound like. You know, you're used to hearing sneakers uh, kind of squeaking on the yeah. floor. Will you kind of replace that with crowd noise or music? The same thing for hockey. When people are making their carve and their turns, I mean, that's loud. That's evident, right? And now the crowd is gone. The NHL is kind of 
kind of looking at a couple of uh, different, you know, kind of suggestions here. And one of those, they actually went to EA Sports. And EA Sports used to make the hockey games like they, they've recorded every single NHL arena. Yes. Right. And then they got like the, the chance or anything like that. So. Depending who the home team's gonna be, they might, you know, put the crowd noise in there and the, the chance for that home team to try to give them a little, obviously, of a home ice advantage, number one, but also make it kind of cool to come across on our television sets. I, I, it's a good thing you said that too, because I was reading more on that. They even went as far to say they, they got like the Bruins, I think it was, booing. Booing. Yeah. And, and then also the, uh, Gary Bettman, mm-hmm. the commissioner who always gets booed. Yep. They may incorporate that when they hand out the Stanley Cup. However, they hand out the Stanley Stanley Cup. It might not be a usual presentation, yeah. but they may put the booze in there for yep. that. So it'd be interesting to see how they present it. Tradition, I think baby. somebody asked me, I don't know if it was uh, somebody on Twitter or I, I can't remember now in the last day, like how are they putting in the the fan noise in mm-hmm. Major League Baseball? And ba- I think it's off MLB The Show, right? It, like the video game. Yeah. I think that's how they did it as well. So yep. NHL is kind of taking a bit of a page out of that and they're they're messing around with these uh, the exhibition games that they did play or are playing like right now there's, they should get like one game yeah. that's it mm-hmm. like it's not like this you know summer camp for baseball they ramped up with like seven to ten games and actually might have been a little more than that might have well, been ten even, to twelve games even the, the nba as well you know and, i mean and, they've, yeah, had, they've had these that last yeah. week of exhibition nhl's not doing that it's basically yeah. one game mm-hmm. and then get in there and play <laughs> but i think during those games they're going to test out the fan and how they use it, and should it be a little more subtle, a little louder? Because I guess some of the MLB players have complained about it, almost from a distraction standpoint. Yeah. Uh, but very, it's interesting. Uh, interesting though. I, I'm, I'm kind of locked into it. I want to see it. I'm not going to watch 15 hours of it. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. you know, blow smoke here. Sure. But I'm interested to see the different camera angles, the instant uh, playoff action that means so much, and. Just how it all works. Uh, one other thing uh, from the from the article I read, they've never played hockey this late. Yeah. The summer months in Canada, there's a small concern, not a big one, about the ice. Yeah. Because of the temperatures. Now, again, it's not outside, mm-hmm. but just even the opening and closing of doors, they're hoping the ice, you know, maintains its its status. They're they're not overly concerned about that, but it's something they even thought about. Well, and keep in mind too, and we kind of touched on it a little bit with Coach here, in, including the draft lottery here. So Alexis Lafreniere, whoever has the number one pick is going to get him. He's like supposed to be maybe like the next Sidney Crosby, like he's that coveted right now at the number one spot. Well, whoever like loses out in this bubble thing obviously has a better chance to get him. Yes. So it begs the question, like, what is this going to look like from teams where you know? Maybe if you know, like, listen, our team probably isn't going to go deep in the playoffs. I mean, I don't want to say tanking. I'm not going to throw the word tanking around. But obviously, if a team goes out early, they have a better shot of getting, you know, the the, the blue chip prospect. The so, next Sidney Crosby. Yeah, the exactly. next Wayne Gretzky. Exactly. The next well, I don't want to say Wayne Gretzky, but yeah. But, but, yeah, up uh, there, but yeah. for hockey folks, it's like if you say the kid's name, people are going to, I mean, for average sports for fans, yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. You. Yeah, but, but it's, it's not like big the, of a deal. Yeah, it's the next guy. Yeah, and, and that guy is going to one of the teams right now playing in the playoffs. It's crazy. That is uh that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, different way to do it. You know, and and again we we talked about this way back and the NFL doesn't have like a a decision on this at least that I know of mm-hmm. because I've talked to people within the Jags and they have no idea about it. Uh so they don't know what would happen. And that's if like there wasn't a season, how would you draft? Remember we had that conversation? Correct. Like who would get it? Well, this is because there's so many teams making kind of this playoff. Yeah. To your point, you're going to you potentially could get a pretty decent team. Absolutely, getting the number one pick. I mean, it would be unheard. Of. Like imagine an NBA. So like imagine like the overalls. Imagine Zion Williamson. 
going to like the Utah the Jazz sure. or like the Lakers. Yeah, just yeah. A, a team that's already established. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's what it's the equivalent of. Well, and that's what they're afraid of in, in football, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's the Chiefs or the Patriots, mm-hmm. really. The Patriots would be the ultimate, although yeah. there's a chance they're tanking for them anyway. But, <laughs> but one of we'll those see. teams having the number one pick or the number two pick. And yeah. That's why when we talked about that before, I don't mind the idea of taking teams that were non-playoff teams. Like, say you didn't play a season. Mm-hmm. Take the non-playoff teams, put them in a hat, and draw the lottery. Correct. Take your playoff teams, put them in a hat, draw the lottery. Mm-hmm. So those 12 teams that made the playoffs that you would think are ahead of everybody else and better than everybody else, they don't get a chance. Now, you still could get a team like maybe it's uh, be like the Rams, mm-hmm. I think. They didn't make the playoffs last year, right? No. So it could be the Rams who think they're pretty good, have some talent around them. Well, they could end up with them one pick. Well, that would be fine because that would be Jacksonville's pick. I mean, of course, man. You take that all day. <laughs> take it all day. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, you could you could still get a little bit of imbalance, but maybe not as much imbalance. True. You almost wonder maybe the NHL could have done that. And I, honestly, I don't read up on the NHL daily. I don't know if there were those discussions that well, couldn't you just take the eight teams that didn't make it or however many teams didn't make it and, and put – for the draft lottery? Yeah. Well, no, that, that was the thing, right? So the eight teams that didn't make it had the best shot of getting it. Unfortunately, the way oh, that... Oh, but they did. Oh, but, because, but, but, oh that's what you were saying, because yeah. the lottery didn't pan out Because the lottery way. didn't pan out that but way. Maybe they just, my point being, they just couldn't get it, though. Yeah. Like, it had to go to one of those eight teams. Yeah, I, I got you. You oh, know what, what I mean? Which, which I, I, I agree with you. Like, yeah. That's what kind of what upset me a, a little bit. Like, you have the... Obviously, the top eight worst teams in the NHL, why wouldn't you reward them with the best player coming up in the draft? Yeah, yeah. that's what it's there for. Exactly. That's what the draft, the order is presented yeah. to do. But it's COVID-19, and it's a different year and all that well, stuff. Well, listen, so. once again, and once in a while, you become the Indianapolis Colts. You be, you're the Colts that you're good for 20 years, yeah. and then you have an awful year, and you end up with a number one pick. Exactly. Right? Yeah, you I mean, kind of what, luck into it, really. No pun intended. Very, very good. Or was it intended? Probably. I think it was intended. You better believe it. A couple things uh, to get to. Uh, Where do we stand on college football? Also, Major League Baseball. Do you like the guy starting on second in extra innings? Reasons to like it, reasons to not like it. But it's provided some entertainment. Well, that story coming up. We're going to take a break. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. A little bit later on, we get to the NBA. It starts tonight. Lakers Clippers tonight on ESPN 690. We've got games on ESPN 690. Basketball and baseball. And hopefully down the road, a little football, too. We'll update you on the football side of things. College and uh, back to the Jags for a topic or two. Still on the way here on a Thursday on ESPN 690. You know, I feel really comfortable, and it's interactive. You know, I can... You know, put schedules up, put things up on on, on uh, PowerPoints. I, I can do a lot of things. I can. Um, they, they've really done a good job of, of getting us ready, preparing us, where taking less of that anxiety that we would have in that situation out of it. That's Doug Marone today speaking to the media, and uh, for the first time really since well training camp started. I call them OTAs now, uh, for now, and uh, in a few weeks things will ramp up, but. Uh, no crazy news out of the Jags. Uh, Josiah Scott uh, was on the COVID-19 list. He now goes on the active list, so he's off that. There's no timetable for that. It's a matter of just testing negative mm-hmm. for COVID-19. If you were in it because of that, you could also be in it because you know somebody, uh, and, and so therefore in quarantine. Uh, a couple other players were added uh, today to that COVID-19 list, so it's going to be a yo-yo action 
uh, with the transaction wire when it comes to that. The Buffalo Bills, real quick, uh, have uh, sent everybody home, all their rookies. I think they have five positive tests, I believe, are red. Yeah. And therefore, they send everybody home. I mean, just for the day. I, I don't know how long that will last. We'll see. Uh, but there's some news out there. And then breaking news just in, and uh, let's get to it. We teased college football, you and they delivered it. for us in yes, the break. Sir. The SEC says conference-only games, 10 conference-only games. That's big news. One, yep. much like yesterday in the ACC. There were, when the ACC came out with their schedule, they said 10 conference games plus one. They were trying to keep the rivalry games intact. Well, the other big news about the ACC is Notre Dame's now in the ACC for 2020, and they're going to share some of their revenue, which is usually pretty decent dollars, and they're going to share it with the rest of the ACC. So there were some big storylines. Well, now SEC comes out, and there were some rumors about this yesterday, and now it's 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 becoming official that 10-game conference only. I like that. That's better for football fans. Mm-hmm. But that did not come with a 10 plus one. No plus one. So now Florida State hoping to play and keep that game intact against Florida. By the way, in a year that they probably will, I mean, definitely will not be favored. I don't think they want that heat right now. Well, no, they wouldn't. You could see them trying to say, no, 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 don't do that. We're all good. (laughs) We're good. We're all set right now. No, they wanted to keep the game. And Florida saying no. Yeah. Uh, we're not, well, it's not Florida, it's the SEC, but as a whole, the SEC basically said, hey, South Carolina, Clemson, no thanks. Georgia, Georgia Tech, no thanks. Florida, Florida State, no thanks. A little surprised by the 10 only and not keeping the rivalry games in, tact? I am a little surprised. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of tradition involving those games. I think you, you tweeted it out first time since, what, 1954? I'm pretty sure that's what this it is. Game's it's not 53 or 54, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so obviously there's a lot of tradition tied to it. And the fact that it's an in-state game, you know, so in terms of traveling and, and the hotel and all that stuff, like, you think that you can make that work. But, listen, every conference kind of has their own way of going about business, and the SEC kind of announced theirs, you know. And obviously it's on the same... Um, principles in the same line as the ACC is. So I'm a little surprised, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm just glad that the SEC is not playing any cream puffs, obviously. They're not playing any cupcakes. I mean, it's going to be quality SEC action, and it is what it is. Let's, uh, by the way, that game is supposed to be played in Tallahassee this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm looking at what I'm trying to do now is look up Clemson and. South South Carolina and Georgia Georgia Tech. Now, obviously, Georgia Georgia Tech does not a lot of travel to. Yeah. But whose home game uh, would it be? It would be interesting to see if all the SEC schools were all on the road this year. Oh, <laughs> That's my yeah. Point. I got you. Um, but I mean, it, sooner or later, they're going to have to fix that uh, in the calendar. Either way, with Florida, like so, Florida Florida State when they meet next year, do they do they play that in Tallahassee? Yeah. I would assume mm-hmm. uh, that will be the case. So uh, they have not announced the actual schedule for the SEC, at least that that I've seen. There are some rumors out there about what the schedule could look like, and it's basically the revolving door of, you know, the the cycle of what happens in the SEC where you play the other division, and next year you would play, uh, I think for Florida, it's like Alabama and Texas A&M would be next up. Or there's a lot of assumption that that will be the added – those will be the added games. Mm -hmm. So Florida – who already has to contend with Georgia, 
might now have to contend with Alabama and a Texas A&M team that could be challenging as well. So their schedule gets a whole bunch harder because they had the easiest cupcake games on the on the on the docket. Yeah. Eastern Washington, South Alabama, and New Mexico State. So they lose those three games. And Edgar Thompson uh, just tweeting this out: three point four seven five million dollars in game guarantees for canceled games with Eastern Washington, uh, South Alabama, and New Mexico State. So. They'll save money there, but again, sure. you're losing the ticket revenue on on uh, some of that. Well, one of those, I guess. At the end of the day, it might be a, a win economically uh, for the Florida Gators. Well, and speaking of economics, real quick, when do you think the announcement's going to be whether fans can go to the game or not? Yeah, that's a good percentage. point. It's really I, I I catch myself as I was finishing that statement. It's really not a win economically because at most you're going to have 25 percent in the in the sure. stands. So it's not going to be a win economically in that regard. So uh, that's a very good point. And they haven't come out with those. And Ohio State has said basically 20%, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of assumption that across the board, most colleges will will say something similar. Ohio State fits, uh, I want to say, like 106,000. Mm-hmm. So most college stadiums fit, or a lot of the big-time college stadiums fit between 90 and 105,000. I think they'll all fall in line around 20%. Let me ask you this. In terms of an optic issue, right, where, and I'm trying to compare... I mean, obviously, the Eagles right now have said that there's going to be no fan attendance, okay? And I, I mean, I guess you'd say Temple, but like, so for instance, let's go ahead and say for whatever reason that there's not going to be any fan attendance at Falcons games, okay? But then let's say that University of Georgia says, well, you know what? Let's have 25%. Do you think that's going to be bad optics if the city that you're in, your NFL team, is having zero fan attendance, but your college team is having some kind of fan attendance? Uh. Like, yeah. is, that, is that doing anything for the optics or not? Yeah, I, uh, I don't think both would happen. I think, did you use, who'd you use as an example of uh, that happening? Oh, uh, say like, uh, say the Atlanta Falcons said zero fan attendance, and yeah. then all of a sudden the Georgia Bulldogs said, well, let's go ahead and have 25%. Like, is, think, is that I, bad optics for the Georgia Bulldogs? Uh, probably, but I, it, now it is an hour down the road. So it's a little, it's, they're not right in Atlanta. Georgia Tech might be a better example because okay. they're right there. Yeah. Uh, what I think of an example, let's just put it this way because we know the facts. I look at it as more like a, a Penn State and Philadelphia Eagles situation. Mm-hmm. They can't have fans. They've announced no gatherings of that size. So they basically can't have fans. Mm-hmm. And, and so my point being, if the NFL team doesn't have fans, it's most likely because they've been mandated they can't have fans. New Jersey's done the same, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we've seen anything out of California yet. So if they've been mandated, they can't have fans. Well, that's going to also apply to okay. the college team. So I don't think you'll get that. I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you'll come on, on to, to that situation gotcha. uh, given, given where the ruling uh, essentially is coming from. So SEC goes to 10 only. Uh, I'm assuming Big 12 could could land there. Well, uh, as um, well, definitely added conference games because everybody's going conference mostly, if not conference only. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're starting to figure out the college football season uh, as that happens. Here's what I like about this: the conference only stuff. Let's take away right now what I think uh, it will be interesting to see how miffed maybe the ACC gets that the plus one isn't going to work with the rivalries trying to stay intact. Uh, is this the SEC trying to be like, hey, we're the we run the show and, and we're going to tell you what we're going to do? Uh, maybe maybe there's a little bit of a jockeying for that kind of uh, bravado. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But 
outside of the plus one game where you could lose the rivalries, and, and in a minute we'll have a conversation about who can Florida State replace Florida with if they keep the plus ones, which I assume the ACC will plan on doing. You have to love this as a football fan. Like, again, I don't like the Gators. Like, I don't like any. I don't have a, a team. So I, I'm not a fan of a team. Mm-hmm. If I'm the Gators, if are supposed to be good this year. They're a top 10 team. Sure. Many people think they could be ready to take the next step. Kyle Trask could be better than people even even think, and he's getting a lot of love. Well, now if I'm the Gators, I'm like, okay, we had Eastern Washington, and we had New Mexico State, and we had a few wins here, a good get healthy games, you know, kind of chalk those as W's, and you're going to now add Alabama potentially, Texas A&M potentially, and, and ooh, that, that that makes our record look a little different. That makes our chances at a national championship maybe look a little different. That becomes a little bit more aggressive and ambitious to run the table with that kind of schedule in the SEC. And then, in turn, how much will committees now take the conference-only schedule into consideration where you don't have layups, yeah. but now it's really the strength of the conference is king. Mm-hmm. So the SEC, potentially, someone could maybe lose two games and get in. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, it, for sure. So, obviously, right now, if you're a college football fan, you like it because, like I said before, I mean, you're not playing any teams that um, are like the FCS schools. I mean, every single game should be competitive. And I'm not sure, are they doing the bye week or not? Uh, the ACC had two bye weeks built in. I haven't seen the bye weeks. I'm assuming they have at least one. Okay, so at least and one And they might have two. Now, one other note, we haven't shared this. They won't start until September 26th. Mm. So they're starting late in September. So they're giving themselves ample time maybe to get fans in and see if this thing changes course. Yeah. And then they're also pushing back their championship game, I think, to December 19th. So the calendar is sliding a bit for the SEC. Yeah, so in terms of, you know, I think the SEC right now, they're sitting pretty. And we're probably going to see two teams again this year make it from the SEC in the college football playoff. To me, what it really hurts, though, are the teams like from the Pac, you know, Pac-12. Because like those, you know, like when, for instance, when Oregon played Auburn. You know, it was a close game, good game to kind of kick off the college ball season. If Oregon would have beat Auburn, well, then all of a sudden, Oregon, I mean, listen, if, if Oregon runs the table, wins the, the Pac-12, even if they have, like, one loss, maybe even two losses, well, they beat Auburn. So it's all good. They beat an SEC school. So to me, you know, the, the beauty of playing those non-conference games is, like, it can put your team on the map, obviously. Right where the SEC is always going to be fine because they probably play in the hardest conference, obviously. But what it really hurts is like, you know, the Big 12, I think, and even the Pac-12 where you need more of those legitimate opponents because your style of play, it's it's just different. And your style of play has showed that once you get to the college football playoff, it doesn't get you wins. Okay, it doesn't get you championships. So I think this decision right here, it obviously hurts the Pac-12 and and the Big 12 alike now. Not to say that the champions of each division can't still get in, because I'm sure they could, but I'm just saying it helps having those non-conference games to see if you're actually legitimate or not. Yeah, I I just put out there, does it give you more wiggle room or less wiggle room the way it's conference only and you're playing more games that seemingly matter uh, this year to make the college football playoff? And I'm trying to wrestle with it in my mind. Uh, again, I love it as a football fan. Like uh, for a football fan, I don't need, I really don't need Florida State, Samford, and I don't need Florida Eastern Washington. Waste of my time. Hmm. Again, if you're a fan of the schools, I understand mm-hmm. 
you still see some beauty in that. You see some players play that maybe don't normally. You know it's a W. You can breathe a sigh of relief and have fun on a Saturday afternoon knowing that you're going to get that win. Yeah. For me as a fan, I think it's a waste, an absolute waste. And, and by the way, there's an economic part of it for the smaller school that's good too. But let's just go from a fan point of view, just college football in general, integrity, competition, all those things where we try to get parity in NFL and Major League Baseball and everything else. We don't always try to do that in college football. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. we don't. I mean, the ACC was Clemson and a bunch of JV teams last year. That was it. They had no friction. Yeah. Really none. Correct. And so if you're trying to get closer to really the way sports should be more competitive, parity, week in, week out games matter. Well, this is beautiful. You got 10 conference games, and that doesn't mean you're not going to have layoffs because there are going to be some bad teams. But Vanderbilt's probably not going to win a lot of games anyway. Uh, who knows about the Boston Colleges and Wake Forest, and, and we'll see. Uh, but I just love the competition aspect that every game now matters. What I, I'm tending to my own question, I'm going to try to answer it. Do you have a little wiggle room now to get in the college football playoff with multiple losses? Would Florida be able to still get in if they lost to Alabama but beat Georgia with one loss and then losing maybe in the SEC championship game? Yeah. So I I don't know that, but I would say it's – I disagree with you a little bit. You said, like, SEC might get two teams in, and that's kind of the scenario I just played. Yeah. I actually now believe it's almost a lock if every team, every conference plays conference only, mm. and the plus one really won't weigh in that much, but let's just say conference only is for the most part across the country in the Power Five. Well, now I firmly believe that the conference champions are going and one's getting left out. See, well, here's the thing, though. I mean, obviously, if you go undefeated, then yeah, you're, you're in. I mean, uh, the, no doubt. Yeah. You're always in if you go undefeated. Well, yeah. Just about. <laughs> yeah, so it's up to UCF fans out there. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, if you go into feeding your conference, then uh, well, welcome to the big show. Uh, great to have you. But my point is is that when you start looking at quality of losses, and it, it all depends how everything shakes out here. But in terms of quality losses, I guarantee that if a Florida loses two games to maybe like an Alabama or LSU, well, those are pretty – depending how those games go. Yeah. Right? Let's say they're close, nail-biting games, as opposed to maybe – I'm trying to think, who's, who's the favorite in the Pac-12 this year? Is it Oregon? Okay, so let's just say Oregon for whatever reason. So let's say Oregon um, though, yes. loses to Utah or loses to Washington, and they kind of have a 500 season, uh, and they lost to them. Well, to me, that Florida team that lost to two legitimate opponents with the quality of losses, it overjumps the one loss to a Pac-12 team. So I think you have to take a look at when we're talking about undefe- you know, non-undefeated teams that – the quality of losses should count for something. Yeah, uh, and again, we could get to that point. Well, we, we don't know it, how it's going to play out. It depends how it shakes I out. just feel like now you're going to have five conference champions that didn't play a bunch of layups. They played their conference, and that was probably going to put more emphasis on being a conference champion than ever before, and there's already been a bunch of emphasis. That's This thing was designed to be put emphasis on conference champions, and so now this, in my opinion, will put even more of it on the conference champ, uh, and and it will bring up the great old talk of an eight-team playoff yeah. because, one, you could end up, again, you could end up in theory mm. with five undefeated conference champions and only 
before you get in. And this is my next question to you. And then how do you weigh which was better? This was just my question to you. I was just going to ask you this. So let's assume right now that each conference champion goes undefeated, okay? And you have five undefeated conference champions. Where we sit right now, what conference do you think would be out? Hmm. I I would say the Pac-12. I would say the same thing. They feel like they're the weakest and have been the weakest. And, well, Clemson, by the way, uh, Pac-12 and ACC was pretty weak. Sure. Uh, But Clemson has such a a pedigree now. Yep. And same thing goes for the Big 12, even if they're weak and it's Oklahoma. I guess it depends who runs the table because Oklahoma has a pedigree now mm-hmm. of being in there all the time. Like the committee likes them. They, they've been there before. That carries weight. Mm-hmm. Alabama has carried that weight for the last decade. They're Alabama, so, you know, yeah. we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think Oklahoma's got a little bit of that nod. I think Clemson could get that kind of nod. Maybe an Ohio State could out of the Big Ten, but the Big Ten's going anyway. The SEC's going anyway. So I would think that would leave the Pac-12 out in the scenario that you you presented. Uh, but, man, can you imagine if we get to December and everything's been played and you really did have – I mean, it's very unlikely. But you had five undefeateds yeah. all win the championships in their respective divisions, and you got to keep one out. How crazy how fair it, is that? I know, right? Sitting here right now, how crazy do you think rankings are going to be this year? Well, they probably matter yeah. in that sense. Um, but with it's very again, this is going to benefit the SEC because they're always looked at, and they have been mm-hmm. the power conference. This could hurt the Pac-12 because they're out west. Mm-hmm. They've been down. The USC's of the world have been, eh, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to. I think in the perception, in the voting, in the polls, probably won't showcase them like it will others. ACC is going to probably bounce back a bit this year is my guess. They won't be as bad as they were last year in, in general. And Clemson can carry the day. So I think uh, the polls will be interesting to watch. And it could, the early polls, especially if there are some teams that remain undefeated because you don't have the cross-conference stuff yeah. and you don't have these rivalry games. Well, that early poll, could you could be stuck in that spot for a long time. It might be tough to hurdle somebody. And that's kind of my point here where – if you have maybe a one or even a two-loss SEC team compared to, uh, you know, an undefeated Pac-12 team, I mean, what, where do you rank them, right? Because usually you have the benefit of, all right, well, this Pac-12 team played this SEC team. Here's how they did, and let's go off that. But now we don't have that anymore. So it's like, to me, the rankings this year could be very peculiar. Um, you know, you could see some undefeated teams obviously having an, an outcry saying we should be ranked higher. How's there, a, 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 you know, one-loss team in front of us? So, listen. I love chaos. I embrace the chaos, and I embrace the chaos, which is which is the college football playoff. We might see a lot of college football chaos this year, to say the least, if there is a season. All right, so now the folks in Tallahassee are saying, okay, what do we do with this other game? Uh, the folks uh, in, in Clemson, South Carolina, saying, well, we're not playing South Carolina now. What are we doing with this other game? Mm-hmm. What do you do now? And I haven't seen anything out on that. I, I don't know if there are contingency plans. I'm sure they had to at least cross their mind. These people, these folks talk enough. You know, the commission, they, they had to sense what was going on. Mm-hmm. Will they just cancel the plus one now, the ACC? Because it will be hard to find a dance partner for that 11th game. Mm-hmm. Or will they try to find an in-state game? Because remember, that's one of the... Stipulations is that the ACC said if you're going to play that 
plus one. Yeah. It's got to be in your home state. Yep. So, Florida State UCF. <laughs> Wouldn't be mad at that. That'd be a good game. I mean, that's probably the only one that kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, because they already played Miami. Yeah. I mean, there's other teams. There's FIU and FAU and USF. But but based on... makes sense ratings-wise. You know, all that stuff. Yeah. I like UCF. But here's the question. Does Florida State want that, though? Does this Florida State want UCF? depends how bad they... I don't know if you'll have too much of a choice of being picky. I think it's more of, do you want to fill the game or not? And could we now see the ACC say, you know what? Let's just go to 10. We're trying to do that to keep our rivals in order, and it's not working. So let's not muddy this up anymore. We're going to go to a 10-game slate. For sure. Could see that happening. Uh, We'll see. More talk about it. Uh, More back to the NFL as well. The NBA begins tonight on ESPN 690 with Lakers and Clippers. We'll catch up in the final hour on the NBA. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. 